I don't feel completely comfortable with my body. I've even taken photos to kind of analyze, okay, what could I work on? What could I go to the gym and how can I change these body parts by doing these exercises? And it leads to Googling and foods you can eat that help with this. And you lose sight of who you are as a person and what you value. A lot of the time I'd find myself comparing myself to friends. She must be doing something right because she looks so good in her booty shorts and everyone loves her on Instagram and she's in the popular group. I must be doing something wrong because I don't look like her. And I beat myself up for it. And it really changes your emotions and your personality throughout the day. I think the emotional toll that anxieties on your body image have on you create a lot of stress. I definitely feel anxiety pressures daily and struggle sleeping. I find myself getting more and more closed off from meeting new people. Welcome to Dear Anxiety. We're the show about mental health and how we deal with it. Just listening to that, that is something that we can all relate to. I mean, I mean, can you find yourself in there? I, I think I can. Who am I? I'm Ed Krasnick. My partner, Rini Jane, is joining us very shortly. Today's show is about body image. And there isn't a more charged subject that you can have. And there isn't something that, that more people struggle with on the planet than body image. And the reason why we play a teen or a child at the beginning of the show and the end of the show is because when it comes to mental health issues, we're all children. We're all learning together. We're all new at this. And we all need to practice these things and be aware of them to live better, to live well, to live a happier life. Today's show, we're going to focus on teaching your kids, teaching teens, even parents, how to promote positive body images and how to deal with negative body image. Now, my partner, uh, Rini Jane, is uh, a mental health expert. She is the founder of GoZen, which is a company that teaches resilient skills to kids, parents, schools, use uh, all kinds of people using creative tools, including animated videos. Uh, Rini holds a degree in applied positive psychology and master's from the University of Pennsylvania. And Rini, I guess the first thing is, first of all, welcome. And how's your selfie image right now? <laughs> you will not believe I literally have taken very few selfies in my life. Uh, maybe a function of my age. I'm not sure. But uh, I had to take one the other day, and I didn't know how to turn the camera around. And I'm pretty tech-savvy. So my selfie image is, um, it's all right. But I think when it comes to body image, it's interesting. I've had the same recurring thoughts about particular parts of my body that I have had since I was young, you know? So that stuff sometimes stays with you. But I have a much better relationship with those thoughts than I did when I was a kid. So body image... You know, body image is really, there's so much of it seems to be about how I'm thinking about my body, not my body itself, but more my relationship to my thoughts and feelings about my body. That's what's going on. And that's where the battle begins, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. It's so funny. I think about this often. 
So you have two kids that face the same challenge. Let's say that you have a set of twins and they have very similar. Let's take let's make them identical twins and their body types are very similar. And one has body image challenges, right? They have a negative perception of their body. And the other one is fine, right? So these two kids have basically the same body. They're twins. They're being raised by the same parents, same background, same environment, right? So what is the difference? Why does one kid have such a challenge when the other one doesn't? And this kind of thing really fascinates me. What is the difference if their bodies are quite identical? Well, really, it's never the adversity that we're facing, right? It's not the body. It's our thoughts about our body. And that's a good thing. Um, I know it doesn't sound like a good thing, but it's a good thing because we can, we can work with those thoughts. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, working with our thoughts is going to be a recurring theme throughout a lot of the subjects, but especially, you know, about body image. Because when it comes to body image, I think most people bombarded by social media, especially teens, but all ages, we're merciless with ourselves. The critical voices and what we tell ourselves about our bodies is not often very good or very positive. It's not accurate. It's not accurate. what, What is the thought? Is the thought that if I change this particular body part, then I will be fill in the blank, happier, um, more successful, liked more, right? This does not prove to be true. It's not accurate, right? So whatever this goal is of wanting to change a particular part of our body or our our entire body, because the end goal is happiness, turns out not to be the case, right? Right. That's right. And and, and that's true for, for a lot of different areas, for almost every area. Your thoughts affect how you are going to feel. There is a direct relationship to how you feel. And, the, and, and in fact, at one point, thousands of years ago, philosophers were saying things like, the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. And we spend very little time on what we're thinking, very little unchecked, very little time that's where we're actually aware of what we're thinking and how we can change it. So we're going to focus on that today. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, Rini, but but personally, growing up, we had eating disorders in the house. We had nonstop dieting. Uh, I remember as a teen, I stopped eating because I wanted to be thinner. And I wasn't heavy at all, uh, but I was very aware and I was absorbing all this stuff from the media way back then because I'm a thousand years old. I'm actually a thousand and two <laughs> next February, but I absorbed Happy all this birthday. stuff. Yes, yes, thank you so much. And my thoughts are a thousand years old, so so I really have to I have to lighten it up, uh, however I can. But I absorbed all this stuff, and I'm oh dealing totally. With- when I was growing up, it was the same thing. I mean, the dieting was in the '80s when I was growing up was very normal, and it was fine to talk about. My mom was always, and my mom is beautiful, right? inside and out. She's beautiful. And she was always talking about some diet that she was trying, always trying to lose those last 10 pounds. Last 10 from what? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> Probably exactly. me. Sure. Um, yeah. But she was always 
doing something or another. I remember we had what was that thing called? It was some women's magazine, Women's Day, some magazine. I can I can picture it in my head, and there was always some diet on it on the front of the magazine. Try this new juice diet, or try this new X, Y, and Z diet. And she was always trying it, and so yeah, I absorbed that too. Oh, this is something that you do. It's it's normal, you know. It's what grownups yeah. do. This is what you do. We I we had magazines in the house called How to Hate Yourself Daily. Um, these were the no, I'm kidding, but 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 I'm kind of not kidding because we took all these all this stuff. My my mother, my mother and sister carried a scale in their purses. No, they, they would, didn't. They did a no, small hand scale. Yes. Because this was a time where people would count calories and they would weigh their food. So you go to a oh. restaurant, you pull out the scale, you weigh it. And then if, they, if there was a game show called Name That, Name that Calorie, my, we would have been billionaires. I mean, we would have won trips to Hawaii. We would have won everything because they knew all of the calories by heart in every food. And I remember them playing around, quizzing each other. And it was like lettuce, head of lettuce. <laughs> it was like 42 calories. A serving, you know, and it, it was, I can't even, it, it was crazy. It was absolutely Well, crazy. I mean, it was, you know, it was the fat at that time. So first it, it was, was the calories, fat. then it was like how much fat is in the food. And then it became the balance between how much, uh, you know, how much protein are you eating? How many carbs are you eating? How much of this are you eating? And then it's, you know, the Atkins diet, get rid of all the carbs. I mean, there's so many different trends that went on, right? But I remember there was the time where it was like, forget the calories, look at the, you know, the number, the grams of fat and look at the percentage of fat. And then, you know, now it's the sugar, right? So, and I'm not saying that none of these things are valid, but there definitely have been trends. I cannot believe that your mom and your sister carried little scales with them. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have a lot of stories. I can't, I'll tell you another time, but there are so many stories about this. And I would go with my mom. My mom was overweight and I'd go with her to get weighed as a little kid. And I, that's a whole other, other situation. But, but the thing is of all of these things that we're talking about, there are two things that are happening. One, the reason why you're thinking these thoughts and why you're being presented with this stuff is money. It's economic. It has nothing to do with nutrition or what's healthy for you. It has to do with how money can be made. So the trends in food are all about how food companies make money. And, and the same is true of so many services that, that we have. But no time, very little time was spent on what do you think about yourself and what do you think about your body and what, do you, what are you thinking about food and what, how, are you, how are you processing all that information? There's no time that's spent on that. And that's where body image comes from. It comes from body all- image is a really hard thing. If your kids are challenged with these body image issues, those thoughts that they're having are extremely sticky, right? So I have found um, in my work with kids and with my own kids that when they have super sticky thoughts, that they're they're hard to. We need some goo gone for those things, right? But they're hard to unstick with knee jerk responses from parents. You know, and Ed, you and I are both parents, so the kind of you know, you're a unique soul and you should love your body for what it is. And when you're experiencing body image issues, a lot of times those kind of words don't work. It's like, how come I'm reassuring my child and telling them that they're beautiful and telling them that they're unique? And how come it's not sticking with them? How come they're still having these issues? So I wonder if we can bring to the forefront some things that might work, that might nudge 
what's going on with these kids. Yeah, I mean, there and there are so many things that you can do. But first of all, do does anybody even know how their body works and what your body actually does for you? No, it I'm, keeps my head on. That's what my body does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even sure that's working for me right now. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so so educate. So if you're dealing with younger kids uh, or or really even teens, you know, whose bodies are changing all the time what does your body do for you? How does it work? What what does it provide for you? How do your thoughts work? How do your emotions work? What are some things um, that you, you know, some very basic things that you do to teach kids about their bodies? I mean, I think one thing that you mentioned is extremely important. The body is an amazing machine, right? And kids at very young ages are fascinated by the science. So in order to revere this amazing thing that we have that we are, you know, that our spirits are housed in, I think that we start to talk about all of the exciting things that your body does. And, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily related to, well, if you put that spinach in your body, this is exactly what's happening. You know, you can do, you can be straightforward, but you can also go about it indirectly. So the goal is to get your kids excited and fascinated by the body so that they begin to respect and revere the body so that they they treat it nicely, right? Instead of beating ourselves up all the time. So we can tell kids things like, you know, um, I think it's like a quarter of your bones a quarter of all of your bones are in your feet. Okay, so if you tell them fun facts, they're like, whoa, really? <laughs> but that's, that's crazy. The strongest bone in your body is your jawbone. You know, like, why would that be? And so you start to just give kids these fun facts and they get interested in the body. More bacteria in the human mouth than all the people in the world. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> Why do we need that? It explains um, a lot to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so fun, right? It's fun for adults to learn too. When you sneeze, a sneeze can go a hundred miles an hour. Did you know that? That's crazy. I did. Oh my God. I'm loving miles these an things. Hour. Yeah. I'm, so you I'm start to become fascinated by the body and why would the body need to do all of these things? Well, now, now, so, so all these facts. So now you're talking about just an awareness of your, of your body, just, just being aware. So if you're a younger child and you're a parent teaching a younger child, this is something that, that really will, will connect you with your kid and your kid will get curious about all of these things and get curious about their, their own body and how it works. So that's, that's a baseline of, you know, how to begin promoting a body image, a positive body image. Um, My goodness, if we develop that relationship early, I cannot stress how important this is to begin to really have a relationship. That's what it is with your body and an understanding of all of the amazing things that it does for you. So that is absolutely a baseline. That's the starting point. Okay, so now that we have this, how does my body work? How do my thoughts and feelings work? What is my relationship to my thoughts and feelings? Most people, I think, still in this wide world of wellness, believe that they are their thoughts and their feelings. There's no separation. I, we don't say, I feel angry. We say, I am angry. And the truth is that you're not your thoughts and feelings. You're so much more. 
you're having thoughts and feelings. So how do you begin to promote a positive body image while, uh, while dealing at the source, which is really your thoughts about your body? We teach kids that you have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And the human mind, while amazing, does this thing, it makes a lot of thinking errors. Because while you can take in 11 million bits of information in any one moment all around you with all of your senses, think about that number. That's that's crazy. That's a really, really high number, amazing. right? But sure. you can literally only consciously process about seven of them. And it is why if you go to a party with a friend and you have a terrible time and your friend has a great time, well, maybe you're having different experiences or you're crunching seven different pieces of information than that other person. Why are you at the same place and having completely different experiences? It's the way that our mind is gravitating towards things, paying attention to things, and then processing those things. So what we teach to kids is, listen, your brain, while it's awesome, your conscious mind, it makes a lot of mistakes, typical thinking errors. So you're not your thoughts, thank goodness, because a lot of your thoughts are simply not accurate, straight up wrong, right? They're yeah, just straight course. up wrong. Most, so you, yeah. So what the goal is, is not to change the thought. And that's where we get stuck because we're always trying to help our kids change a particular thought. Well, why don't we reframe it to this? And reframing can be great. But I think that a softer approach and even more powerful approach can be, let's just change our relationship with it. So here's the thought. My thighs are touching and rubbing together. That's so disgusting. There's that thought. Well, you are not disgusting. You can teach your kids to start to say, I'm having the thought that, and then fill in the thought. So you're not crushing the thought. You're not saying, hey, your thighs aren't disgusting. Say that to yourself. My thighs are awesome, right? You're not telling your kids to say that because the positive thinking thing for most kids, it will make them cringe. But what can be more powerful is just letting the thought go by and really separating it from yourself like you were talking about, Ed, right? You're not your thoughts. So you can say, I'm having the thought that and then fill in the thought. And that type of awareness is really a powerful first step in cultivating a better relationship with your body image. And you can model that for your kids. I was just having a conversation with my daughter in the car today, and we were talking about this. And I was saying, I'm having the thought that, you know, I'm really stressed out today, and I'm having the thought that I'm scared of my stress. And I, my daughter's a teen, but we had a really great conversation because then she could tell me about the, th the things that she was thinking. And we, and we looked at it together. You can really model this for your kids, and everybody experiences it, experiences it. We're all the same. There's no hierarchy of this. We're all just learning and becoming aware and practicing. You know, it's a practice. It's not a perfection. It's just an awareness. You know, there's promoting a positive body image. So we're talking about how you deal with your thoughts. There's also how to deal with a negative body image, which most people have. Uh, and we're going to talk about both of those things. Now, in terms of how you talk to yourself about your body, we're talking about how you, th how you can think about it, that you're, you're more than your body, and you can check the facts on what your thoughts are telling you. Are they accurate? Um, how, do you, how do you promote, how do you teach kids or even teens about 
how they talk to themselves about their about their bodies in specific. Well, we teach them a few things. First of all, kids can be very goal oriented, like any human can be very goal oriented, right? What's the next step? What am I? And we and we put them in situations where we set goals for them all the time. You know, you're in kindergarten next year. You're going to be in first grade. That's a goal. Um, you're learning to read, and hopefully by the end of the year, you're reading at this level. That's a goal. So we're constantly putting them in situations where they're trying to attain a goal. So they become very goal-oriented, and I believe that we are future-oriented as humans anyway. So what we tell the kids is, listen, if you're so really stuck on hitting a particular goal, especially if it comes to your body because your body image is negative, then beating yourself up the research shows that is not a good way to achieve your goal. So if you're saying to yourself, oh, you are so lazy. If you just went to the gym more, then your body could be in the shape that you wanted it to be. You know, or why were you born like this? Why do you have such a such big ears or a big nose or small eyes or whatever, whatever the particular issue is? If your goal is to get to X, Y, and Z place. And now the goal might be either to literally physically change or the goal might be to embrace your beautiful self. Either way, beating yourself up, the research shows, is not the way to get there. So what we teach kids is whatever the thoughts are that you are having in your head, imagine those thoughts are coming from a best friend. Think of someone who's very close to you that you love and they're coming to you and saying, well, my thighs are rubbing together and it's really bothering me. I think it's disgusting. Well, how would you respond to your best friend? Would you say, well, you should go to the gym. I mean, that is disgusting. Never, never. We're compassionate, naturally caring. And most of the time we're authentic. So we're not trying to fool them. So if we're talking to them with love and compassion, why aren't we doing it for ourselves? Because the research shows that speaking to yourself like a friend is going to get you much closer to your goal. So really, it's practicing, you know, and modeling, speaking to yourself as a friend. And you, can, you could do that uh, by actually, depending upon what age your, your child is, if it's a teen, you know, it could be writing to yourself. It could be doing improv and theater games. It could be role-playing where you're actually playing the different parts of yourself and what you're telling yourself. Hey, I'll be you, we should try you be that. me. We should Let's try that. Let's try the role play. Rolling. Let's get ready, people. Quiet on the set. Let's try the role play. We always do role play, but in this particular one, um, Rini is going to play a self-critical voice, the voice inside that's talking to her about her body image. I'm going to respond as the other part of her, a part that's in us all, more of a wise mind, a compassionate voice, which is going to speak in a different way to her about her body. Okay. <laughs> so take a, take a second here. Take a breath. Okay. Your torso is so short. Sure, your legs are long and that's fine and everything, but because your torso is so short, every time you gain weight, you gain it in your upper body and it looks gross. Ugh, I can't wear any of my clothes. Okay, I'm having the thought that my torso is so short right now and I can't find any of the clothes that I like. And it's just a thought and I know it's going to pass and I know that I am more than my body. There's a lot to love about me. 
I am going to have to throw out all of my clothes. There's only two things that I can wear that don't make me look fat. And I hate feeling this way. I just wish I could just lose the weight up there. I having the feeling that I might have gained some weight. And if that's the case, maybe I can make some healthier meals and get out there a little more. And I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm enough. I can change those things, but I can have a worthwhile life and my life is worth living and I'm a good person. Oh, I wish these thoughts and feelings would just go away. I wish I could just delete them. I wish I could just run away from them. I'm tired of the voices in my head just bothering me all the time. They're just thoughts. I'm just having these thoughts. They're not me. They're not who I am. They'll pass, and I see them, I hear them, and I'm going to let them go because they're not the truth about me. Cut, we got it, print it. That's a wrap. Lunch, everybody, that's a stick. This is, this is not, uh, I mean, it feels like rocket science sometimes, but it's really, it's really not. It's just that we're not used to it. We don't know that we have that option. Now, what happens when you have a critical voice inside your head? What are some other things that you can do besides thought recognition and adding on to, you know, there are a lot of different skills that you can use to treat yourself with more compassion. If you, we talk about mindfulness a lot and what that is and what that means. Is there a mindfulness technique that we could use? And maybe the simplest one is a breathing technique because we all, our body breathes naturally anyway. Yes. You know, it's interesting that we often turn away from what's going on in our body when we're having these thoughts and feelings. And feelings will show up in our body the quicker than they show up in our mind, right? It's the first place. So if you've ever been stressed out and you have butterflies in your stomach, that often shows up, you know, even if it's a fraction of a second before it shows up as racing thoughts in your mind, it shows up in your body. So one of the things that we can do is we can breathe into the particular place where we are really physically feeling the emotion. And what that means is that you are envisioning the breath going into that place and helping it release. So right now, I would say for me, I'm sitting here and uh, I haven't been getting a lot of exercise and I'm being merciless with myself and I feel that I look really fat and you know, and, and my stomach is big. Okay. Can you lead me through something where I can deal with that? Yeah. So can you tell me, Ed, if there is a particular part of your body when you have those thoughts, is there tightness or tension anywhere in your body? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of my body, but particularly I'm having trouble breathing lately. Like in my solar plexus, that's where it seems so tight and it's almost painful. It, it's not almost painful. It is painful. Mm, okay. So turn your awareness to your solar plexus. That means really you can do it with your eyes open or your eyes closed. You can turn your attention to this particular part of your body where you feel the tightness. And then what I would like you to do without trying too hard or thinking too much about it is to take a deep breath in. Let's do that. 
and then release with an exhale through the mouth. Let's go ahead and try that one more time. Go ahead and breathe in through your nose. And exhale through your mouth. And for kids who are listening and for parents who are listening, you can teach your kids something similar by telling them to breathe in as if they're sniffing a flower. Let's try that. And breathe out as they're blowing out a candle. And Ed, we're going to breathe in one more time like we're sniffing some hot chocolate. As you turn your attention to your solar plexus, release everything from there. Breathe out, blow out a candle. Okay, so that was three or four breaths that we just did. How do you feel? Better. There's a little more space in there. It's not as tight. Mm -hmm. And I feel a little bit calmer, a little bit more. You know, just taking the time for it makes everything a little bit calmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, again, that we, our knee-jerk reaction is this is a bad feeling. Something bad is happening. So let's either ignore it or distract ourselves or minimize it or try to make it go away and then, you know, what you resist persists. So one of the best things that you can do is turn your attention toward, as Ed said, his solar plexus was very tight, right? So like a tightness in his chest going on. Turn your attention toward that and do some breathing. Now, we've talked about before on the show where sometimes kids are like, Ugh, I don't want to do breathing. I don't, you know, I don't want to do deep breathing. There is always a way to reframe it. So what we just talked about was blowing out a candle for as long as you can. For really little kids, if they don't understand the deep breath in, you just focus on the out. Once you focus on blowing out a candle for as long as you can, the breathing just starts coming naturally. You have to take in a deep breath to blow out for a very long time. So that is one good breathing technique. And then I would also say if your child is very much resisting breathing, then there are lots of other techniques that you can use. It's okay. But mindfulness and tuning into your body is one of the best things that we can do to, to kind of let go of what is going on. And like we say, you know, you, you might be listening to this and you're thinking, my house is crazy. I'm busy as heck. I can't do these things. Uh, everybody's nuts in my house. The family is great. You know, if you just take a minute to just stop what you're doing and take a breath. It, it, it can change your experience. You're not going to do any of these things perfectly. There's no perfection in this. It's just the awareness and making a choice about it. You know, it's just the benefits of taking time and actually being aware. You know, cultivate a mini habit, a very set the bar extremely low. If you have never tried to meditate, if you've never tried any mindfulness techniques, if you, you know, have never counted to 10 or any of those things, that's okay. You know, that's okay. So you're going to start and start very, very small. My goal today is to take one deep breath where you almost cannot fail. 
Yeah. And sometimes you can be a breather like me. And when I started to do conscious breathing, uh, I think I was scaring a lot of people around me. (laughs) (laughs) Because my breathing was very, very loud. (laughs) Yeah. What's he doing over there? What is that man doing? And why why so loud? Why is it so loud? Um, Why is it so loud? And does he have a microphone? Is he mic'd? Um, and, and so no, but it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you do it, how you do it, how you look doing it. The intention of doing these things, uh, changes your perspective, changes your life. Now we talk about kids. There are a lot of things that you can do with kids. A lot of times kids, you know, just being aware of that. Everybody is different. Everybody, there are different shapes and sizes and whatever size you are, whatever shape you are, that's your body. It's right for you. It's always changing. A lot of kids compare. Certainly teens compare. And it always equals better than or less than. And the thing is that everybody is who they are. And they're more than their body. So there are activities that you can do. Even if you went to a mall and you were sitting with your, your kid or your teen and you're watching people. And you're simply watching all the different sizes and shapes that people are without judging it. You're just saying, look, look over there, look over here, look over there. Everybody's different and everybody's worthy and alive and lovable. Everybody is Uh, an extreme, more of an extreme thing and a crafty thing that you can do is take pictures of your of your kids and their friends and then take adult body pictures and you can mix and match and you can switch the bodies. And look at how silly it looks to have a body that's not suited for that head underneath it. And it's like a fun house. And it makes the point, <laughs> your body is right for you. I you like should not that. have someone else's body. Body you should swapping. Not have yeah, you can inv- it's, it's sort of invasion of the body switchers. And you can do it. And uh, it's, it sounds like a science fiction movie. But for little kids, you know, they'll laugh their heads off. And, uh, and of course, humor is, is such a big thing uh, for this, because if you can laugh a little bit, it can open the way to a lot of other things. Dealing with a negative body image. Now, if you're a little bit older and you're a teen, especially a girl, but, but even boys have negative body images. And there are skills that you can use, including mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotion regulation, wise mind. It sounds very technical. But basically, you can practice skills that are about liking and accepting who you are and where you are. You're balancing your thoughts, your feelings, and you're finding a middle ground. It's not the thought, if I gain weight, I'm so fat, I'm lazy and useless, and I don't deserve attention and happiness. It's if I gain weight, hey, I've gained some weight, maybe I can make healthier meals and get out a little more. It's you're not ignoring the 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 ideas or the thoughts, but you're treating yourself like a human being. You're not throwing your self-worth out the window. But to do those things, you have to have some skills. You have to have some practice. I mean, you know? they do. It takes practice, you know? These aren't easy things to do. As you were talking about the family or the, you know, the parent and the child sitting at the mall, I was thinking that it's so hard as a parent when your child says something negative about themselves and you just don't see them in that light and you don't know what they're talking about. You're like, you're a beautiful being. What are you talking about? And they're just shaking their head. It is so hard to do. I think one of the biggest things that we need to do to connect, and we're really talking about this in so many different ways, which is just to listen. It's such a powerful thing to listen 
and to remain listening and not to interject. Because as we were saying with the thoughts, even internally, to to kind of just give them the space to breathe, even if they're not valid. And that is the point of connection. So when it comes to anything that's coming out, um, whether that be internally, you know, the monologue going on in your own head, or something that your child might be saying to you outright, allow it the space, right? They allow it the space to breathe. And then once it has that space, then you can go in and do some problem solving and maybe some techniques. But the first place that we need to start both within ourselves internally is a place of connection. And that only happens if we're willing to listen. Yeah, that is, that is such a powerful thing. And I'm learning it with my own daughter who's 14. The, the most powerful thing, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad and not to make a generalization, but I want to fix things. And I want to take it away. I don't want her to struggle. I don't want her to suffer. And so because of that, I want to stop it. I want to fix it. And I always get into trouble when I try to do those things. But when I just listen and I let her talk, even if it's something that feels painful, it dissipates. And we find a different way to go about it. We can find a different way. But she feels heard. And a lot of times kids just want, they just want to feel heard. Everybody wants to feel heard. Imagine those days that you have a hard day and you go home to your partner or your spouse or whoever, whomever is at home and you're telling them about your day. Oh, it's the worst day ever. And so now, Ed, model for me what what disconnection would be like. Oh, Ed, I had the worst day ever. You know, you're great and you're hard on yourself and you always have these things. No, no. Listen, I really had the worst day ever. My boss was horrible to me. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, it's just something that happened in the past. You really should just let it go. Okay, so this is a person who is not listening to me. And we do that to our kids all the time out of love and compassion. If Ed did that to me, I came home and Ed did that to me, you know what I would do? I would pick up my phone and call my best friend or call someone else who is just going to listen. Because sometimes we just need to be heard without any fixing. And I think the same thing goes for our kids. Yeah, what happens with my with my daughter, and I've seen it with a lot of kids, is they return to their own sense of who they are and how they're going to problem solve, how they can, how they can, you know, the whatever energy is behind it, it dissipates and they move on much quicker if you listen as opposed to try to give them an answer. They move on, and they and what they learn by that is they learn that feelings and thoughts don't kill them. A lot of people believe me included, even at this age, my initial reaction is this thought or feeling can really, is really hurting me. And it's not the thought or feeling. It's the way I respond to it that's hurting me. Yes. Yes. It is very important that we are able to tolerate the distress of our kids because they are frankly able to tolerate it. And as they're yo- the younger they are, the more they're able to tolerate it. They move through emotions much more quickly than we do. We hold on to them for a long time. It's why when you see a little kid, they can be crying and then two seconds later, they're completely fine. And then you're like, wait a second, you just had that huge fight with your brother or sister. Aren't you really upset? Don't you have baggage from that? And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I've moved, you know, I'm building Legos now. I'm done. I've moved on. And and kids will do that. They will pass through their emotions as they are supposed to because emotions are very transient. They're feelings that are sending us messages that are meant to come into the body, give us the message, and then leave, right? It's like a text message. They're not meant to stay there forever, or it's like Snapchat, rather. 
I'm going to get my, yeah, yeah I'm not really, I'm not really savvy with the social media, so I'm not going to get those metaphors right, but you know what I'm saying. And this is a really good metaphor. If you're a teen and listening, you know, if you know Snapchat, you know all about filters. We all have emotional filters and thought filters, and we're seeing things through judgment. We're seeing things through self-criticism, not often through self-compassion. To have a happier life, you have to take off those filters. And you have to check the fact and see what's accurate and see what's real. And if you're going to put a filter on it, try self-compassion. Try a little bit of kindness. I don't know if Snapchat has a self-compassion filter, but I think, I, I think I'm think i recommending it to them. <laughs> put it, I don't know what it does to your selfie, but how about a self-compassion filter? Yes, put it in the suggestion box. So, you know, kind yeah. of on a, on a final note, I would love for parents and kids to work on who a child is for for kids to work on who they are without any thoughts about their body like they are not their body they are not their thoughts they are not their feelings so at the end of the day they're like well who the heck am i you are your strengths the essence that you came into this world with this bright shining light and for lots of kids what can help is to actually take a strength survey so uh, there is the VIA Character Strength Survey is one that I recommend. It's V as in Victor, I as in India, A as in Apple. So I think it's at viacharacter.org. And you can sit with your kids and you can take a strengths inventory and it will rank their strengths and give them their five signature strengths. And it's really a beautiful research-based way to show kids that they are more than these things that are transient and temporary and that they attach themselves to. That sounds fantastic. I definitely will check that out. And, and Rini, if, if parents or kids, if they want to send something in to us, if they have a concern, if they have a thought, it could be about body image, it could be about breathing, it could be about anything. Uh, where do they send those things? And it could be, it could be a, a recording that they do on their phone. It could be an email. So if you go to gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety, you will see our episodes listed there and you will also see a way to submit content. So we would love to hear your audios. You hear them at the beginning of this podcast. You hear them at the end of this podcast. So if your child either has something that they are challenged with that they want to talk about and that we can anonymously post on this podcast in the beginning, or if they have some advice for a child that they've heard on the podcast, we would love either of those. And we always end every episode with some advice uh, from, a, from a child about the issues that we're talking about. And today we've been talking about body image. Uh, we'll be back with many more topics uh, all about life, all about mental health, all about how we take care of ourselves and how we can be well and be happy in today's world. Rini, thanks for all of these skills. Thank you, Ed. And thanks, everyone. Body image, like I've thought about it before and my advice would be like you had to try to distance yourself from thinking that way because it's not really what other people think. That's not what you should be thinking about. It should be for you. Like you should feel confident. You have to be confident and sometimes I like feel like I'm always over analyzing like a situation and that like kind of makes me paranoid or makes me think, Oh, what are these people thinking about me? You know, it's probably not even happening. Sometimes you're going to think things, but other people probably don't even notice. Everyone's different. Everyone's your own person. Someone might be looking a different way and, you know, you might have, you might look at 
a different way than a different person you know clothes might fit differently but that is part of who you are you know it's what makes you 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 can't be someone else because you know you want to look like them you know if it's something I can change and I want to do it for me then yes go ahead and do it like you know if you want to start working out because you know you feel uncomfortable you really just want to do it for yourself and not for what other people think about you it's not about what other people think it's for you